reading from the Acts of the Apostles, the 16th chapter, beginning with verse 16. One day, as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days. But Paul, very much annoyed and turned, and said to the Spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, These men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him, to all who were in the house. At the same hour of the night he took them and washed their wounds. Then his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. The Word of God for the people of God. Jesus is praying. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them. And not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost, so that the Scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things 
in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. There was a little girl who was going to church with her mother. And her mother gave her a dollar bill and a quarter and told her that she could put them in the offering at church. And the little girl said, well, Mom, what if I want to keep one of them? And her mother said, well, I guess that would be okay. And the little girl said, well, Mom, which one should I keep? And she said, well, I guess that'll be up to you. That'll be up to you. So on the, on the way out of the church, the mom asked her, so which one did you keep? And she said, well, you know, mom, I was all prepared to put that dollar in that offering plate, but then the preacher said something about God loving a cheerful giver. And I knew that if I gave that dollar instead of that quarter, I wasn't going to be happy about it. <laughs> Pretty funny, isn't it? I think that's funny. What does it mean to be cheerful, dear ones? What does it mean to have joy in your life? Have you ever had one of those moments where you laughed so hard that your chest hurt? Where you had cramps and you thought you were going to die right there? Maybe you're having a heart attack, but it's really your diaphragm was locked up in pain and you felt like your whole body was going to curl in on itself? Has that ever happened to you? Isn't that the best feeling there is? 
Isn't it the best feeling there is to have to tell somebody else to stop so that you can take a breath? Joy sometimes seems very fleeting. And, you know, where it comes from can just be almost impossible to predict. Like this week, I read a story about a bunch of prisoners in Brazil that are filled with joy in a prison. That doesn't seem possible, does it? Doesn't that seem like the oddest thing? Well, a guy named Reverend Keith Wagner told a story about Charles Colson. Chuck Colson, you'll remember, was involved in a pretty bad scandal in our country and ended up in prison. He found Jesus, and the next thing you know, he started prison fellowship and did amazing things because Jesus changed his heart. Reverend Wagner wrote this, Charles Colson tells the story about his experience at a prison in Brazil. He visited Humaita Prison in San Jose dos Campos, formerly a government prison that is now operated by Prison Fellowship Brazil, an alternative prison without armed guards or high-tech security. Instead, it is run on Christian principles of the love of God and respect for humankind. I remember a day when our society had a couple of those kinds of things involved in it. We didn't require people to love God, but we required people to have respect for humanity. Remember that? Humida Prison has only two full-time staff. The rest of the work is done by the 730 inmates who are serving time from everything from murder to drug-related crimes. Every person is assigned another inmate to whom he is accountable in addition each prisoner is assigned a volunteer mentor from outside who works with him during his term and after his release. Prisoners take classes on character development and are encouraged to participate in educational and religious programs. When Colson visited the prison, he saw men at peace. He saw clean living areas and people working industriously. The walls were decorated with motivational sayings and scripture. Humida Prison has an astonishing recidivism rate of only 4% compared to 75% in other prisons. Colson saw something else that really affected him. He was led to a cell that was historically used for solitary confinement. Now the cell contains only a crucifix a beautiful carving of Christ hanging on a cross. Colson's escort looked at him and said, he's doing time for the rest of us. In this prison full of people who had seen horrible evils and done horrible evils themselves, what gave them joy was being daily reminded that Jesus has done time for us. And with us. Isn't that an amazing story? When I read that, I thought, man, I need to tell that whether it matches the sermon or not. But then I thought it really does match what was happening with Paul and Silas. Why are Paul and Silas and the others singing in jail? Because Jesus is with them in the jail. Because Jesus is always with us. 
And because Jesus has done time with us in the midst of all the deplorable things that humanity has ever thought to do to one another, Jesus endured it all and did it for us. You know, one of my favorite verses in the scriptures, though I can't quote it very well, I'll tell you exactly chapter and number, is the one in Hebrews where it says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and scorned its shame. The joy of being obedient to the Father and dying for us to rescue us from the kinds of evils and deplorables that the world sees on a daily basis. The kinds of things that rob humanity of its dignity of being created in the image of God. Sin and evil's project is to destroy us to root us in hatred, to get us to look at another human being and think that they aren't worth suffering for, to get us to look at another human being and think that they aren't worthy of our time, to get us to a place where we would think only of ourselves and ignore the plight of others. Oh, and didn't an opportunity arrive for Paul and Silas to do just that? The Bible doesn't tell us that their prayer caused the earthquake, but it's at least a happy coincidence, isn't it? They were praying and singing. I like the thing that they were singing, Jesus saves, although that hymn didn't exist that long ago. But I bet they were singing something different, similar to that. They were probably singing a psalm from the Old Testament. They were singing a worship song that they had grown up with that had attained new meaning because of what Jesus had done and because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Had Jesus being set free from the greatest prison ever devised. The prison of death. And oh, they were singing. And suddenly the doors were open. Me, I'd have been gone. But they stayed. Isn't that absurd? They're in prison, accused of something that they didn't really need to be accused for. Now granted, they were probably telling these people that there was only one God and the Romans called that atheism and they would put you away for it. You couldn't do that because they couldn't run the risk of one of the other gods being angry and causing calamity in the empire. So they made sure that everybody was down with worshiping all the different gods, but Paul and Silas had come around to say something different. And here they were encountering a slave, someone who was imprisoned, someone who was not freed, someone who has been enslaved, not only by the people who owned her, but by a spirit that had taken control of her. Man, there are many spirits in the world fighting to take control of us. Daily they're advertised to us as being good things. Anything that distracts us from seeing other people have dignity is sin. And it's just a short way to a dark prison cell. And here they are, they're imprisoned for setting this girl free. And you might have noticed that the version of Scripture that I read is different than your pew Bible. 
In the Greek, what she actually said is that they were saying, these men preach a way of salvation. A way of salvation. Now what Paul and Silas had come to do was not preach a way, but the way. They had come to this place not to tell them that there was another option Zeus and the other myriad of gods that they worshipped. They had come not to tell them that Jesus was an option, but that Jesus was the way out of every prison cell every devi- ever devised for us, including the cells of sin and death. They had come to tell the people that they could be free. And this young woman was saying something different. She was saying there was another way, a way, a way, a way. Paul had come to preach the way. That may seem like a small thing, but Paul couldn't let her keep on saying it. Now you might think, Paul was getting free advertisement, was he not? A person who could tell the future, a divinator, was saying, these men have come to you to preach a way of salvation. But Paul didn't want recognition for Jesus Christ to come from a spirit, but from the Word of God and the preaching of the cross. That Jesus has been doing time with us all along. Hanging in the same prison that we're hanging in. To set us free. And that's why Paul and Silas didn't leave the prison. They didn't need to leave the prison to be in the presence of Almighty God. God was there already. And God goes into all of the calamities and prisons and hurts and pains that we will ever face to be there with us so that we can sing in joy and praise Christ for what Christ has done. In the good circumstances and the bad, there is nowhere you can go, even apparently a prison in Brazil, that Jesus is not already there to strengthen you and equip you to make the good witness to His death and resurrection and to be a witness to others. And so Paul and Silas didn't run. They didn't run because the jailer had no joy in his life. The jailer was in prison to fear. And so after the old earthquake, when he saw the doors open, he just knew that everybody had run out, but them Christians had hung around. I'd like to think it was for his sake. But I know it was just for Jesus' sake. Because they could be at home wherever they were and whatever suffering humankind inflicted upon them because Christ dwelt in their hearts. What imprisons us, dear ones? What in the world is stealing our joy? What do we need freedom from? Whatever it is, the witness of the church for 2,000 years has been that Jesus is there with you. And the experience of your pastor is that every time I have been in a hard circumstance of my own making, Jesus has been there with me. And I hope you noticed that the jailer was so impressed by their faith 
Not their faith that one day everything would be right, but that everything was right wherever Jesus is. That he decided he wanted some of this Jesus thing too. And he asked them what he had to do. How do I be saved? How can I be like you people who have been singing all night in a prison cell? And so they preached the Word of God to him, and him and his entire family were baptized and entered the church. And what did it say he did? Dear ones, did you see the words? He rejoiced. His heart was filled with joy. His heart was filled with joy. Because he had been in the presence of the living God. Do you want people in your circle to have that kind of joy? Do you want those people that you know who are suffering and bitter to be released from that prison cell, to be able to sit in their suffering and praise God knowing that God is with them no matter what may come? Do you want people to know the way of salvation? Do you want people to know the freedom that you have? And Jesus, you should know, was praying for you in John 17. He said the words, I'm not just praying for these, but for those who will believe in me because of their words. And Jesus said this thing about the church. That in a time of great violence, in a time of uncertainty, in a time when evil seems to be holding sway, we need to hear. Jesus said to the Father, as you have sent me, so I send them. If you know what it is to have joy in your heart no matter what comes against you, if you know what it is to have the joy of salvation, to be like David and been in a place so horrible that you cried out to God and asked, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And if you've had that prayer answered and you have known the joy of praising Christ in the midst of uncertainty and hurt, then the world needs to hear your voice. The world needs for you to stand up and shout. That is what you have been sent for. To walk in the suffering of others and say the name of Jesus. What steals your joy, church? I thought about that this week. When is it that I feel like I have no joy in my life? And what I noticed is this. My joy feels incomplete when I'm worried about my own problems. 
and when I'm focused on myself. And that, dear ones, is when I am most susceptible to the temptations of the evil one. That is when I want to lash out and state my claim to what is mine. When I'm not remembering that Jesus hung in the cell with us. When I'm not focused on sharing that good news with others. I have said to you many times at the end of the service that the Lord sends you. That you are sent into the world to be a light to be sought, to speak words of hope and encouragement to others. And I hope you see today I was not making that up. Paul and Silas were sent for that reason. This is just one example, I'm sure, of many others where people were impressed by their ability to sing and pray in the hardest of circumstances and their lives were changed. You, dear ones, are sent into the world to sing and pray and to dance the dance of love and life in front of a world that is in love with death. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.